vegans kind of, or my exposure to vegans, and it's not ubiquitous across the board, but they they're terrible. <laughs> like, and it's not even that I disagree with any particular part of their philosophy of being vegan, but it's so self congratulatory, and a lot of like the way they respond to non vegans, th- at least from what I've seen, is borderline like bullying. To be to be honest. Yeah, and that's a hundred percent. Obviously, like we're generalizing, but uh, like there's a reason Brandon Routh's character and Scott Pilgrim is so great. Yeah, um, don't you know being vegan just makes you better than everyone else? <laughs> yeah, and that was a good way at like poking fun of it, and I think it it was a way that probably vegans could laugh at too. I don't I don't think anyone took that like fuck that man movie. That's not what we're like, you know? Yeah, no, I don't know. They probably did. I mean, I I don't know either. I doubt it. Um, I wasn't scouring the comment sections back then. Like, I don't do that now, but it's funny to read at least the first few. Yeah. In anything. Everybody's mad about something. It's true. Welcome to the third episode of Chattisfaction, everyone. I'm Keith. uh, My name is Sam. Um, And this week we're going to attempt to chattisfy you in all sorts of ways, I suppose. Well, I guess it's the goal every week. Otherwise, we wouldn't make a chat only show well so since we last recorded um it's come to my attention that a few of my friends have started listening to the show and Mm -hmm. uh they claim to enjoy it and i don't understand personally like yeah it's just us chatting um and i have a lot of fun making it but it's exciting to know that some people are actually listening to it so far so to you guys that are going to be listening to this uh thank you yeah thank thank you everyone for uh for listening to it. And I've gotten a lot of feedback from it on my end as well. Um, and like I said, I've, I've made a Facebook page. I invited a bunch of people to it. I made some statements there as well. Um, and I, I just want to reiterate right now, reiterate right now. We're on iTunes. So that's up. Um, and we have a Facebook page. And so those are the main two things I wanted to get going before I actually re release the show. Right. Um, uh, so, the best way to support the show right now is to rate review and subscribe to us on iTunes. Cause that's where it kind of gets the most traction. That's where people have their eyes peeled kind of the most. Um, so please do that. Uh, yeah. click on that it, iTunes button and then, uh, do you do the rest? Cause I don't know what, what happens on iTunes for podcasts. It, it, yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you're that, you have Android phone, like a noob. And I don't really listen to podcasts. I'm a real poser in here. Yeah, I, it, that's not even something. That's something I got into recently, probably within the last two or three years. Um, it's fun to do. Like, it's fun to engage with people about ideas. Because I used to, you know, I think everybody listens to music in their car, and I just stopped completely. I haven't listened to new music in a long time. And I just don't listen to music in my car anymore. Um, if it's just me driving, if I'm driving with my girlfriend, I'll let her play whatever she wants because I don't, I really don't care. You know, I just my, her the two play. things I listen to in the car right now is, uh, there's a stand up comedy channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just play like, oh, but you have satellite radio. No, this is just regular radio. Um, is it? yeah, there's like Denver has a stand up comedy channel. That's, um, that's dope. I wish we had stand up comedy channel. It's great, but uh, there's a lot of really horrible stand-up. So basically, you yeah. just sit there and listen through like horrible garbage. 
Yeah. Uh, and then you get some really good gems. And my favorite things are when I hear people I've never heard of that are actually pretty funny. Cause when it's like, Oh, here comes Pat Oswalt, Like I know it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's always exciting to like learn about new comedians. The challenge is that I need to remember their name, which I'm not particularly good at. Um, but yeah. then the other radio I really like to listen to actually is Christian radio. Um, Oh and boy, I, here we go. I don't I don't know why. I just I get a kick out of it. It's like it's a very interesting to listen to this like to like the brainwash machine at work, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, and that's maybe because I was, you know, I've I was a Christian for so much of my life that uh now that I'm very much outside of it, it's interesting to just like hear it, hear it go. Would it be fair to call you an atheist? Oh, 100%. Yeah, me too. Um yeah, I, I I think a year, maybe like two years ago, I listened to like some Christian radio during like the, the holiday season. And it was interesting because, you know, we have a way of thinking of it. And I and I know that Christians have a, a very separate and a, and a different way of thinking of it where it, it does represent like Christ's birthday. And it's a reason it's a whole different reason to celebrate other than you get to get together with your family and friends and kind of like celebrate still being able to like be with each other you know what i mean and also let's be real presents presents are awesome yeah uh um but it's interesting these sermons that they try to preach this time of year to get people off of that because they're so afraid of consumerism just destroying us um and and i have a fear of that as well i mean but it's not to the extreme that you could tell these people uh, think it's going to go if they don't preach these sermons and get people to like fall in line with like these specific things that they they want out there you know well so um, what i what's ridiculous about it i think and i was actually talking to tess about this uh mm-hmm. just the other week is that like if if you're like a real diehard christian um then uh your favorite like holiday should probably be easter like yeah. Easter should be a way bigger deal than Christmas. Like, yeah, it's, you know, according to the, the Bible, the stories like, you know, Jesus's birth was a miracle, but him coming back from the dead was a f- far bigger deal as far as the story of his life goes. Um, and Easter's like, it's like D list Christmas as far as holidays go. Like mm-hmm. it's neat. It's colorful. But like, even I, I do actually, you know, I, I have fond memories of going to church on Easter cause it was always like, church up until Easter was really bleak. And then Easter yeah. Sunday was like really celebratory. All the music got super upbeat. Everything was colorful. Like, so it was fun. There was a fun atmosphere and that's how it should be. Like if that's something you truly believe in, you shouldn't care that people are commercializing Christmas because Christmas shouldn't be that big of a deal. It should be one of the many things that are celebrated. Um, yeah. Like I, you don't hear a lot of things. People no, no, I've never heard any Christians be really mad about the fact that the Easter bunny brings Easter baskets on Easter Sunday. And that's all that people care about. Like mm-hmm. it, I don't know. It's just, we could, we could talk for a long time about this if we wanted to, yeah. um, which I didn't mean to get into. I just wanted to say that. Well, that's how, that's how chat goes. That's true. Um, I, 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 I enjoy listening to Christian radio and Tesla hates it. So I, I could um, see, I could see both sides of it. I, I can't yeah, listen to I, it, but for so long, I can one hundred percent see her side of it. I can, I understand her side of it more than my own. Um, but it's just like, I don't know, like, and that's I like know all the like the preachers in this area, like from the radio. Like, I don't know their names, but I recognize their voices and like know their mm-hmm. styles and stuff because I listen to it a lot. Yeah. 
Um, but that's kind of the joy. But this is the thing is like the, the joy of finding some podcasts that you like is that you do find some stand-up comedians that you like. Right. So yeah. the, chances are, if you find a stand-up comedian you like, they probably have a podcast. Um, I, I doubt that like Louis CK or Patton Oswalt have, have one, but making a podcast is so easy to do and it's so much fun to do. Norm MacDonald um, had one that was really good. I, I, I yeah, watched sure. some of his. Oh yeah. I think I watched an episode or two as well. And it's, it's really fun. He's super awkward and his brand of comedy is, is definitely unique. And it's so fun to watch other comedians get a little unsettled by yeah. what he's doing. Um, I watched the one with Stephen Merchant and there's a, uh, there's one where he goes into a story about like a child molester and Stephen Merchant is so uh, uncomfortable by really? what's being presented to him. Yeah. Um, but and it's all for the sake of a joke. Like the punchline was worth it, but it got really awkward. And I bet. I, even, even I couldn't tell like, what is he doing? You know, <laughs> but yeah, Norm Macdonald is probably one of the comedians that I, I don't hear talked about often enough. He is my favorite comedian, like hands down. Um, he you has a new so? special. Over, over Louis? In, yep. Um, I think mm-hmm. Louis is like, Louis is like the superstar comedian. He's fantastic. You can't not like him. And I absolutely love Louis C.K. But uh, Norm has that. Norm has that. The fact that Norm is a little bit underappreciated makes me like the fact that I like him more. You know, it's, it's yeah. a dumb thing yeah. that we all do. Like you yeah. want your favorite to be a little bit personal. Yeah. Um, if your favorite band is the Beatles, it's like, okay, obviously like whatever. Um, it's, it's more interesting, you know, to have a favorite movie. That's not something that everybody else has seen and loved. And that's like, I feel like Norm is, he's not, he's by no means, you know, a hidden gem. Most people know who Norm Macdonald is, but most people I feel like don't know how funny he is. Yeah. Um, but he has a new standup special coming out on Netflix on May 9th. Nice. Netflix has been a really great service for uh, stand-up comedies. Like I remember, I remember not too long ago, the only place you could go to get to see like like stand-up comedy specials that were worth actually seeing was HBO. Like, yeah, because I never had like Stars or or a Cinemax or anything, but um, my exposure was just Comedy Central or HBO, and HBO was the place to see the ones that were kind of worth seeing. Yeah, um, yeah, HBO does does some pretty good specials. But yeah, like Netflix has become the place for it now. Like all the Bill Burr stand-ups go there. You know, all the Louis C.K. goes there. You can find there's a whole you could there's a plethora of stand-up comedy there. That's it's great that there's a nice little platform for that. Yeah, you know? I agree. Um, but bringing it back to podcasting. You could find someone, some of podcasts that could engage you. Um, oh, it's not that they're not engaging. It's more that I, I usually don't feel like I have the attention span to listen to them. Like I, if if I'm multitasking or doing stuff, like there's mm-hmm. just other things I'd rather be doing. If I had a longer drive, I think I would definitely do it. Um, yeah, my drive is about 25 minutes to work, but we I don't really have a way to play anything off my phone in my car. So mm-hmm. once we get that figured out, I might end up downloading some. Yeah, because it's about a twenty minute drive for me to my job too, and that's that's where I do all my listening. Like, it's it's yeah. super fun. Um, but yeah, it, it's funny that you say you're surprised that people find some entertainment out of this, um, because that's how I felt when I did my first show, um, and it was like super awkward, and it was it took a few episodes for me to get comfortable in front of the microphone, because I think I had the same anxieties that you had when we were talking about doing the show. 
where you wanted it specifically outright stated that we are not experts at what we're talking about. And I think that that should be inherent when when you're picking up a podcast out of nowhere. And especially if you know us, like right. we're not we're not political savants. So if we talk about politics, it's just our opinions like our our un, uninformed opinions, mostly uninformed. If I have facts that I've read that I perceive as facts and not alternate facts, because that's not a thing that that's called opinions. Um then you know i'll present those but also like i think the subtext that i gave on the picture for itunes kind of explains it perfectly yeah i think that was a good a good choice like we're going to talk about everything and it's just our opinions and it's fun to listen to other people express their opinions even if you don't agree with them like especially if you don't agree with them it can be really fun to listen to someone so like um a person that a lot of people don't like right now is like Milo Yiannopoulos. You know who this fellow is? Yeah, I I am one of the people that does not like him. Yeah, and uh, to be honest, I don't know. I didn't know anything about him like for years. And then after the, his, uh, there was a riot at UC Berkeley where he was going to speak, and it got violent. And then, you know, ev- everyone's just trying to silence this dude, and they actually did the opposite. Where now, because you did that he has exposure now like now everyone's googling his name and he he came on bill maher and so i was just, i just took that opportunity i'm like i'm gonna watch this i don't like the things that i've seen reposted that he's tweeted and just gut feeling i don't like him but i don't really have a reason to because i've never actually listened to any of his speeches or i, I don't know anything i really don't know anything about him and i watched him on bill maher and i disagree with everything he says pretty much yeah almost across the board um not everything because he had some pretty insightful things to say about a ridiculous thing called Gamergate a while ago. Um, but it's fun to listen to people that you don't agree with because then you, then you can kind of formulate your own arguments against that person. And my take on Milo is that he doesn't even think, I don't even think he believes in some of the shit that he spews out because I think he just is a provocateur. Like he says, like That's, he just says things because he knows he's going to get a ride at rise out of it. So he's just really disingenuous with a lot of things that he says. Right. That's my take on him. The guy, yeah. he just seems like a walking internet troll and it's, it's exhausting. Like I wish he didn't get the attention he gets because he just clearly wants attention and he wants to rile people up and it's not interesting. He doesn't deserve to be, uh, in in the public eye so much for just trying to be uh extreme i feel like i feel like that's yeah. what he does for the most part um and i definitely agree with you but i also like if i'm being honest like it's hard to listen to people that you strongly disagree with um yeah because all you want to do like at least what i do like i when they start saying something i assume they're wrong and i disagree with them and i start immediately trying to figure out ways that i can sh- show that they're wrong and ways that i can prove they're wrong mm-hmm. and ways i know that they're wrong like and it's you know we've talked about this a lot actually in the build-up to this podcast um it, i think it's it's i'm not alone in this approach to things um yeah it's very it's more satisfying to uh you know ingest opinions that are similar to yours because they they validate you and right. so then it's easier and more satisfying to find an opinion that is not 
yours. It's the opposite of yours. And continue to say, yes, I still disagree with this. Yes, I still think this is wrong. Because mm-hmm. it helps. Like, it just makes you feel, I don't know, it feels good to feel validated. Um, yeah. And it's hard. And that's something I think we're going to talk about later in the show is sort of that, like, it's hard to disagree with someone and actually listen to them. Um, it's it's very difficult. And I, I'm not good at it myself. I don't know many people that are, um, you know, I think I've had times in my life where I have been able to go, you know what? I think you're actually right. Like, but it takes a long time for me. It takes a lot of, uh, a lot of digging and I need time after the conversation to like decompress and actually appreciate that. Maybe there's in a, fact, my opinion isn't right. There's a lot of stubbornness involved. Um, Oh, I, I th- want to give you a heads up real quick. Uh, we might yeah. lose power any moment. It's snowing a lot, and the lights just started flickering. <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me... I mean, if that happens, I'll take it as a cue. Okay. We can pick up whenever. But uh, uh, you're right. Listening to someone who doesn't have the same opinion as you is hard. But I would I would say that it's really important to do so, especially now in the political state that we're in, where right now both sides of the spectrum have their fingers in their ears and they're holding their breath and they're not listening to shit that the other side is saying because there is definitely a all or nothing mentality with agreeability. And one of the most fun things that has happened to me because now I'm listening to people that I assume I'm not going to agree with on anything, you find little kernels where you actually have the same opinion on stuff. So they're not like this 100% awful person because no one is 100% evil. I think Milo is a clown. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and he's a yeah. harmless clown. He's, he is harmless 100%. People that had, that were doing harm in his name were people that were trying to silence him. Like his, I don't, I mean, and like, listen, I haven't looked into it to see if any of his supporters have done anything, but nothing newsworthy, newsworthy. If it was newsworthy, people would have talked about it. It would have been all in the news. The people who vandalized UC Berkeley, and by the way, these were professors at the university, like some of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they're the ones who made it on the news, like his opponents did. So they're kind of acting the way that they're in in a manner that they're protesting, that that they fear the other side is going to act. Um. So that's 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 what I have to say about that kind of stuff. Um, just did deliberately find someone that you disagree with on one thing, find a conversation with them. And even if you just disagree with them on what, uh, on everything that they say, just listen to it because it is hard. And, but it is, I would argue that it's incredibly important right now. Um, someone that I thought was interesting to listen to as well was, uh, I've picked up a show on YouTube called the Rubin report is this guy, Dave Rubin. I, I don't know his exact background, but he it's a political show where he just interviews people and he interviews people that have extremely diverse opinions. It's not one set of people. So one, one episode he'll have someone who's far left and one, one episode he'll have someone who's far right. And they might have extremely opposite opinions from each other. Um, but he'll have that diverse uh, cast of people to interview um, and, and I when you to an ep- when you say far left and far right, you're talking about like this really dumb the Twix thing, right? Like the one guy who supports left Twix and one guy that supports right Twix. Yes. 
Okay, I just want to 100%. clarify for our well, listeners. Well, you and and you know that because you're my best friend and and we're just on the same wavelength brain-wise. Right. Yeah. Um sorry, I had to I should have clarified that before I started. All right, I appreciate it. Sorry I, to I interrupt. Was, I forget I, I forget sometimes that we have a crowd that listens that they're not on our wavelength, Sam. They don't know us. They need to get on it. You need to get on it quick. It's episode three. What are you doing? You should know us by now. Yeah. If anyway, we go by Star Wars standards. This is going to be the last bad one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so the people that are on far left Twix and people that are on far right Twix, right? Mm. Um, so anyway, I was listening to one of these guys that Ruben was interviewing, and his name was Brian Kaplan, and I disagreed with almost everything that he said on the show. Um, he had opinions on like healthcare, uh, all all different types of shit that's neb- that kind of polarizing to talk about right now. Um, I disagreed with him on almost everything, but I thought he was a very interesting, fascinating, obviously well-educated man. You know what I mean? Right. So I came out of it and I felt enriched, even though I didn't agree with any almost anything he said. So I, I think that good things can come out of that sort of engagement. Well, yeah, it's just like, you know, in a, in an argument, both people think they're right. And, yeah. you know, most of the time, neither of them are right. And mm-hmm. it's it's somewhere in between. Or sometimes one's right and one's wrong. And sometimes it's you. Like, sometimes you're the person that's wrong. It's just hard to appreciate that. And I mean this for myself more than anyone. Like, I'm not trying to be preachy. It's It's really hard to keep that in mind, I think when you are disagreeing with someone that they are, they feel exactly the same way you do just from a different angle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think from now on, when I speak of politically left and right, I am going to exclusively talk about it as far left Twix and far right Twix. I think that's probably a good good idea. Super fun. Super fun to do that. (sighs) Sam, how have you been this week? Um, I have been good this week. Um, What you been up to? I'm like five weeks into my new career, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm what's that? At how quickly? Um, I'm a I'm a software engineer. Software uh, engineer. And uh, I'm I'm impressed that quickly the time passes. Like even mm-hmm. uh, the last couple of days at work's been kind of boring, but we're like ramping up to do this big project, and I'm going to be part of it. And I'm like nervous about it, but I'm also really excited to get to work on like a big thing. Yeah. Um, but so we're just sort of like ramping up. Um, and I went to bed way too late last night. And today I was sitting across the table from my boss in like a meeting. And I was legitimately like trying to keep my eyes open while he was mm. staring at me. And it made me really <laughs> nervous the whole time. <laughs> oh, man. Did that play out in any sort of way? No, I just we were there for like an hour and a half. And I I felt like I was super obviously sort of falling asleep the whole time. And I was mm-hmm. just waiting for him to be like, hey, Sam, you want to talk to me real quick outside? <laughs> but uh, it never <laughs> happened. So, yeah. Uh, do you, so now, cause, well, let's give some people a background cause this is a recent thing for you. Like it, the turnaround from how, how did you decide to become a software engineer to begin with? Um, I was a bartender and there's a, a code, a development boot camp in the town I was living in, um, which mm-hmm. is basically like this highly concentrated education that uh, it was six months, 40 hours a week of class and then plenty more outside of class. And the goal is like by the end of the six months, you are, you're a hireable web developer. Um, Mm -hmm. um, And they threw out some pretty impressive numbers as far as like their hiring percentage rate and like the starting base salaries and stuff. And so I just looked into it. I uh, 
I did like a couple little free online courses that the school like recommended to see if I even liked it because I never I'm I'm a nerd obviously I'm a computer nerd but I've always I've sort of liked more of the the hardware stuff um, yeah I've never done any coding or anything so I've never known if I would like it I always assumed I wouldn't um, but I actually really liked it yeah and so then I took the class and I graduated in October and I've been job hunting since and I just started this job on March twentieth and uh, it's been pretty killer. Yeah, and you know, how long were you bartending before you started to before you decided to do that? Well, I was basically in food service like my entire adult life. Um yeah. I was at the I was at the brewery that I worked at prior um for about four years. Mm. Um so it's interesting and that everyone I work with is like a computer science graduate and stuff, so it's really intimidating. Yeah. I think they're getting tired of me saying that. Yeah. I, I I lean too much on the I'm a new guy and I'm intimidated. Uh, thing and yeah, I, 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 can, I can see them roll their eyes when i do it now i can imagine that because i think you and i were on this wavelength for a while where like everyone else that we know mostly everyone else went to school and had they had an objective right and they went to school and completed it and then took off with that like they did the typical like i'm out of high school i'm gonna go to college and i have an objective and i'm gonna do it and i think you and i were and, and and i went to school for a little bit but i stopped um after like the two-year kind of community college aspect of it but right. I, the plan was to go on to a four-year thing and i had just decided i'd had enough of it you know it wasn't it wasn't speaking to me in the way that i thought it would yeah um but we were both in the same boat where we were like i I basically we were like we don't know what the fuck we're doing with our lives like career wise especially um yeah I assume that's how it is. I'm speaking for myself but I assume you agree No 100% I mean my I've just been in restaurants and I liked the one I was at like mm-hmm. the longest I'd ever worked anywhere before uh this place was a year um but I liked this place so I stayed there for years and I I knew it wasn't a long-term answer but I didn't know what was and yeah i just sort of came across this um actually tessa was stressed out about what she was going to do with her life and to uh take her off my hands we were at my parents house i had to go work on my halloween costume and i told my dad i said hey help tessa figure out what she's going to do with her life and then i went outside and was spray painting my costume um and uh when i came back in they were talking about galvanize the school i went to and Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if they were talking about it with the idea of Tessa going or not, but I ended up like looking into it right then and there and was really interested. And so then I sort of proceeded from there. So yeah. it was a very lucky happenstance because my dad had heard about it from a, a friend of his or a coworker of his. Yeah. I, I think that's pretty neat because I think, well, I think it's neat. And I'm also a little angry because you were my last passion. <laughs> I, I, if, if there was anything I could count on, like, well, me and Sam don't have it figured out, so I'm good. And now you've you've gotten it figured out, and, and now I'm like, well, f- fuck, what do I like to do? Um, and I don't, I still don't know. So I got, I still got to figure that out. But I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of you for doing this because I kind of thought we were both gonna just be nebulous for our, our lives. So it kind of has sparked, uh, like me, I like I need to figure out what I like to do and and how to make a career of it in the same manner that you have and, and in the same manner that a lot of our friends had figured out earlier in their lives. But, you know, well, and I, I think uh, something I learned that was important is that like, 
I didn't know I liked to do this. Yeah. And then I found out I did while By looking into this as a career. Um, yeah. And so, you know, too many people, I think, and that's, you know, every, every fucking situation is different. I hate everyone's like, you'll figure it out someday. Like, maybe you won't, man. <laughs> like, you might not. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, you've, you've got to. Yeah, there's no the universal, there's no universal law that says things will fix themselves. Right. Like, exactly. In fact, it's the opposite. Things, things will stay chaotic until we categorize. Yeah. And so I, I, I. I'm not, I just want to yeah, make sure I'm not like, I'm not coming at it from a, like everybody's just got to do it right. And then they will be good. Um, yep. but I think too often it's like when, and this is something that went through my head all the time when I was trying to figure my shit out was like, what do I like to do and how can I make money off of what I like to do? And I continuously had no answers. Um, and so I think that's not enough because if you already knew what you like to do, that was monetizable, you'd probably be doing it. Um, yeah. And so I think what's more important is to go, well, okay, what's important? Do I want to, uh, do I want to try to make more money like and have a decent career? If so, maybe I should start looking into options that are actually reasonable, not going to college and stuff like that, but like looking into being an electrician or a welder. Like I actually, before galvanize my, I was legitimately going to maybe like look into welding and see if it was something that I liked. Cause it's supposed to actually pay really well. It's a, it's a cool trade and maybe I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing I think, you know, we could, we could push this conversation in a lot of directions, but, um, trade schools in general are, have been sort of villainized the last couple generations. And I think that that's hopefully yeah. it's, I think it's sort of on a swing back. Um, but it's bullshit. And that's like, yeah, people act people, like you're, you're lesser if you just settle for some sort of trade. Yeah. And then they call the fucking plumber when their shit breaks or they call right, the electrician exactly. like, because yeah. they're, they're necessary needed careers. Um, and they're rewarded for it. Like they're all pretty decent jobs. Um, yeah. And, and I think they're probably like, I think being an electrician could be a lot of fun. I think there's aspects of it. I personally wouldn't like, but I think the work itself could be really satisfying and enjoyable. But I think that that's key. Like it's not what, what do you like and how can you make money off it? But it's mm-hmm. like, if you're at a point where it's like, okay, I need to figure something out. It's like, what could you like? And then start branching out. Um, yeah. There's so many like, weird little classes you can take um, to, to try new stuff and find out what actually might be a monetizable interest of yours that you don't even know you have. Yeah. 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 So that's, <laughs> that's, that's my advice to uh, everyone yeah. out there who really desperately needs my advice on, on career planning. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I could, I could at least narrow it down to, and I don't want to be generous with this number, but I'm one percent of the population probably needs it. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one, one percent. So is that like the ninety nine percent movement was just about like Sam? We don't need your fucking advice on on career planning. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think so. I could never figure out what they cared about, so I guess now I now I understand. It's you. It's all you. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Uh, all right. Uh, this week, I want to talk about free will, Sam. Uh, lately, in my YouTube expeditions and my podcasting expeditions as well, because I can't think of another word. Um, oh, what about expeditions? 
I never thought of that. Um, I came across this dude named Sam Harris, who's a philosopher and neuroscientist. Uh, he's also part of what is referred to as the four horsemen of atheism. So I think it's him, uh, Dan Dennett, Christopher Hitchens, and Richard Dawkins. I'm pretty sure I got that right. Um, and Sam Harris has a lot of interesting ideas and uh, some pretty polarizing opinions on things like, he, I would say that he and Christopher Hitchens are like vehemently actually anti-theists where they just try to tear down uh, religion as a whole. Um, I think Sam Harris is nicer about it. Christopher Hitchens is uh, just like religion is poison across the board. Um but Sam Harris has some pretty interesting thoughts coming from someone who studies brain activity about free will. Um, and what's your sort of notion on free will? I sent you like a video of him and someone else talking, but before any of this happened, what was your kind of, if you ever thought about free will in any sort of big, big grand uh, way, uh, did you have any, did you have any notions about it before I started talking to you about it? Um, so before I, we get into that, I was thinking earlier that I want to, uh, I want to intro this segment, Mm -hmm. um, like, uh, like, uh, this American life or like radio lab. (laughs) Um, okay. All right. So I'm going to try my best and that might be uh, really lame, but imagine a world where (laughs) you don't have control over anything you do and actually every choice you make is predetermined Uh, it sounds like a pretty scary world but some people would have you believe that that's actually the world we live in Uh, today (laughs) on chatisfaction we're speaking with keith silverman and he's here to talk to us about free will and whether we're actually responsible for our own choices um yeah don't refer to me because I I'm definitely really (laughs) related I'm going to relay this information poorly so I after we're done talking about it I'll I'll suggest the video to go look to look at because how is uh, my how's my intro though? That was excellent actually. Um okay, if, good. You, if if you could if, if it wasn't just ripping off something else, I would have you intro every segment like that. <laughs> um I think if anyone listens to those shows, it's pretty spot on. You did a great job. Tessa listens to them all the time, so that's my I'm, I try to make fun of her with that voice every once in a while. Not that they're, <laughs> they're like good shows. There's nothing to make fun of. Oh yeah, they're they're um, really good shows. But that that was a good breakdown of it. Oh god, our lights are flickering again. Um, um anyway, so my my thoughts on free will yeah. um, are they're similar now to they were, or they're similar before we started talking about this to now after I've like listened to that stuff you wanted me to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, and really like the the best way to sum it up like because the 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 discussion of free will generally is do we have it you know like yeah is everything we do predetermined or do we make our own decisions mm-hmm. um and my like real opinion on it is what's the fucking difference um yeah what's the difference and who cares like i it's interesting to me to talk about from a logical standpoint like the all of the factors that lead to a single moment whether it's Mm. a decision or just a a happening um and you know but overall it's like it's like well you know did i make that decision or was i always going to make that decision and it's like who cares you don't know as far as you're concerned you made it as far as everyone's concerned 
you made that decision. So yeah. what does it matter if it's written down, uh, you know, on a cave wall in another dimension somewhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, that's like my, my genuine true thoughts about it is that I, it is fun to talk about and I'm, that's why we're talking about it today. Yeah. Um, but there are people that I think stress out about it. Like is, you know, are we all destined to do what we do or can we change our destiny? Um, and I think that yeah. there's like zero point in actually there's zero point in worrying about it or caring about it. But I do think mm-hmm. it's an interesting, it's an interesting conversation. Um, yeah, I think before all this, I would have just said, of course we have free will. Like I can, I could choose to say whatever I want. Um, and the only thing that's holding me back from doing certain things really is morality or the threat of punishment from a legal system or something. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I, I would have said yes. Right. And, and, but it gets more interesting than saying just, yes, we have free will. And so the two guys that I had you listen to talk about it were, were Sam Harris and Dan Dennett. And I think Dan Dennett probably posits, uh, stuff that reinforces both of how we view it. Um, traditionally which is like we are the author of all of our actions right like if if i pick up if i decide to drink coffee this morning i i am the author of that i own that decision right or or if i decide to drink tea instead um and i and i think his is probably more easily defendable and sam harris just what i think is interesting about listening to sam harris is he just posits stuff that i don't think is wrong and I think it's it's just stuff I've never thought of before. It's just harder to get behind. And you can, I've listened to other videos where he tries to defend, to defend these ideas, and he you could definitely see some struggle for him to get people on board with what he's trying to express. So basically, what Sam Harris says is that we're not actually the author of our own decisions. That everything that goes into us making decisions is all basically part of conditioning that we are not in control of. And so they, they argue it from a moral and and logical standpoint. And if you're religious, you add a metaphysical element to it as well, as though you had a soul, right? right. But And his thing is, is he, the way he starts it is like you, you actually, none of those things you're in control of, even all the things about your personality. So all, like you didn't get to pick your parents. You didn't get to pick where you were born. You didn't get to pick your social situation. You didn't get, you didn't get to pick your race. If you have a soul, you didn't get to pick that soul. Uh, another being put that into you, right? So if you're given the soul of a psychopath, right, you didn't choose that. Um, and where it gets interesting to think about it is they, they at, certain, at, certain, at a certain point, uh, he uh, throws in the bell tower sniper. Charles Whitman, I think his name is, right? Um, yeah. Um, and it was this dude who killed a bunch of people on a college campus. Uh, before he did that, he killed his wife and he had wrote like a suicide note before he started doing all this. And he said, I'm not like something is wrong with me. I know it. And I want doctors to operate on my brain. Cause he went into the situation knowing he was going to die. Right. Um, and they did operate on his brain and they found a tumor that was pushing against uh, the part that induces rage. So he was having like these rage fits where he, he like killed his wife and then he went on a rampage and killed a bunch of people. 
and before that he was totally normal um but he was doing stuff that he wasn't in control of so it's interesting to think about the fact that maybe we don't have free will in the way that we think that we do um how did you respond to that type of stuff um i like that to me is like it's an unfair example um because a lot of what the conversation was was like uh Saddam Hussein was a bad guy, but mm-hmm. if you go back to, you know, five-year-old Saddam Hussein when he's being raised in this terrible environment that is turning him into the bad guy that he is, then yeah. he's not a bad guy, and it's it's this like it's a circum it's it's all circumstance that leads him to be who he is, mm-hmm. um, and it's all like like the general idea I got from Sam Harris was that essentially the universe began and set off an infinitely complex uh, amount of dominoes, you know, and everything we do, everything that anything does, everything that is done, everything that occurs in the universe is just these dominoes falling over essentially. Um, And I agree with that, but I don't agree. I don't think that it, I like, like I said, I don't think it means anything like to say that someone doesn't make their own decisions because they were destined to make this decision based on all of the, every tiny thing that has happened that has influenced in their entire life. Mm. Uh, like that's what the word decision means is what a person does, what a person chooses to do. And so if we're saying that nobody actually makes choices, what we're saying like is that, the thing that the domino makes you do is, is a choice. Like the, at that point you're like, you're sticking to the definition of a word that no longer has actual context because in this version of the world, uh, decisions like free will doesn't mean anything. So of course we don't have it, but we still do because we can't see the strings. Like we can't see the infinitely complex domino system that is making us do everything we do. And so why, like, what's the, what is the difference? Like that's, like I said, I still end up feeling the same way. Um, The brain tumor thing is like something was very clearly wrong with this person and influenced their actions. Like that's not the same as, you know, the person's environment growing up and these people that influence them and every little factor that goes in, like this is, a more specific thing. Um, I mean, it is the same thing because the, you know, the cosmic dominoes led to a tumor growing in this guy's brain. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, so, but, but I, I did think that was interesting. Like the reading about the tumor or hearing about it, that, like that he said, something's wrong with my brain. And then there was, I thought that was pretty, I don't, I didn't want to say cool, but obviously he killed a bunch of people. There's nothing too cool about it, but it's an interesting thing for sure. But uh, yeah, it, it is interesting that it caused him to do stuff that he was not choosing to do. Right. Like he, on a normal day, that guy was a different, completely different person. And just because something hit his brain in a certain way, now he's being compelled to do stuff that he would never normally do. That had nothing to do with his upbringing. Uh, and, and so in a way, like we are kind of hostage to a lot of things that we can't see 
um, happening. Like there's systems in place that are, that could be said that they are controlling us and we don't have as much freedom or we don't have freedom in the way that we think it does. There's even studies that suggest, uh, recent studies that I I haven't really looked into too much. So I, I can't speak to the validity or to the extent that this stuff occurs, but there's like bacteria within our guts that can determine our mood. Like if by eating certain things and cultivating a certain sort of, uh, gut like pay attention to your gut biomes um it changes your personality so it can make you more relaxed or or more high strung um depending on what you decide to filter in and out of there uh and i just think like that was interesting too um that that could that could potentially have an effect on your personality that's something that you can't just straight up control you know and you when you hear people talk about being hangry it's silly like when we talk about it you know it's like oh you're hungry get over it like it doesn't mean you have to be addicted to everyone else but it does like it it plays with their chemistry in a way that sometimes i feel like maybe they can't control these irrational feelings that they feel you know what i mean yeah and and it's it's even interesting when when like when my girlfriend will have those fits and she will fully admit before during and after such a thing happens She's aware of what's going on, and she knows that it's irrational, but she cannot help but feel a certain way about things. And that's, like, it's hard because, like, one of the unfortunate truths is, like, we only we only get to know what it's like in our own brain. Right. And so you only ever get to understand someone else's actions through your own brain and how you would mm-hmm. act. Um and my thoughts in those situations um, is like, you can't help how you feel, but you can help how you act. Yeah. And like I, because I'm a I'm a a, a pretty stable level person in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel very like, okay, I understand that you're in a bad mood and that you, that you're hungry, but doesn't mean you have to be a dick, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I still believe that. And that's the thing, like lately I've been pretty stressed out, um, with, you know, we moved, I started a new job, we're planning a wedding. Like there's a lot of very stressful factors. I felt like I had like zero free time and I was starting to be really irritable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still felt like I was in control of, of, I felt awful and I felt mad and I felt irritable, but it didn't mean I had to lash out. Like when I yeah. actually acted upon those feelings, there was a degree of choice to it. Um, yeah. And, you know, I naively assume that's how everybody is, but I'm also, like I said, I'm a pretty level person. And so I, I can't actually relate. I don't know what it's like to be in other people's brains. And so it's not actually fair for me to say like, you know, just toughen up and deal with it. Cause that might be easy for some and impossible for others. And I'll never know. And that's no one will ever know. And that it's, it's challenging. Like you have to just take people's word for it. Mm. Um, and it's hard to, but then at a certain point it's like, what's the point in, in arguing? What's the point in saying they're, they could do better. Like if they're, I don't know, it's, it's something I think about a lot, actually. Like it's, it sucks that you can't truly know what's going on in someone else's head. You can't know, like, someone gets hurt and you're like, that doesn't look like it hurts. 
It's like maybe it really hurts them. Like maybe if you were them, you would be very hurt. But yeah, I think you. I think you. you what you do in those situations is you kind of uh, rely on your your empathy to kick in. Like when something hurts me, even though that doesn't look like it would hurt me, I know how I react when something hurts, and that person is reacting the same way it would they, that I would if I was being seriously hurt. Right. You know. So it is a tricky, it's murky to, to tread those waters. But do you think there's nothing to, to be said about the fact that the fact that you feel things and that those feelings sometimes can come out of nowhere. Now you, you've probably practiced in this where you get to feel these emotions. You kind of have a dialogue in your head of what's the best way to act. And then you enact that do you not think that that's some sort of conditioning from growing up or, or part of your circumstance and that like you, you never chose to be level headed, right? Like that was maybe something that you were exposed to and that was maybe practiced, but there was never a point where you're like, I can be this rage monster or I can be level headed. And you chose that. No, a hundred percent. Like I, I'm, I'm of the belief that, and an uneducated belief. This is just my, mm. you know, my thoughts. Like I, I believe we're essentially, we are born as, or not born. Like we're conceived as blank robots. Um, yeah. and that every single thing that happens to us, uh, imprints on us. And that's how we become who we are. Um, yeah. and you know, but I mean, it, it starts even it's, we're all robots. We all start as blank robots that were handmade by different people. And so even as blank robots, we're starting off different and we're starting off with different things. Like I know plenty of like babies are all born with different personalities, but there is a lot of things influencing them for those nine months. And even before those nine months, there have been influences on, uh, you know, the genes that went into them. Like I, I don't, it's weird. Like the nature versus nurture argument. I think that I think they're almost two in the same. Like I think nature is based off of a far more complex concept of nurture. Yeah. I think that I do. I mean, I, like we were talking earlier, I, I believe in the, in the cosmic dominoes idea. Like mm. I think everything leads, everything that's ever happened to me has led to the, us having this conversation. Um, yeah. And every at every moment you can say you know everything that led everything has led me here and there are some things that could have happened differently that w- i would still be here and there's plenty of things that could have happened differently and i wouldn't be here um mm. having this conversation with you but yeah. everything did lead here and that's i think that's fascinating to think about you know there's so there's too many moving parts to ever know how it all works and to ever predict what's going to happen um yeah. but I, uh, I'm rambling and I don't even remember what you just asked me. Um, well, I'll just, I'll, I feel like you answered it pretty well. So I'll just ask you, you, you said, but what you just said was you think we're like robots, right? And that we're blank robots and that we get stuff piled onto us. And do you think there's something to be said that like robots, like robots don't have free will, right? But when you think of a robot, a robot doesn't have free will. It does what we program it to do. you right. Yeah. So what if like our the way we're raised and the fact that 
our conditioning, right? The, those are only giving us a certain set of options and we only have those options to go off of when we're making decisions. So we don't even, we're not even aware that certain things are an option to us. So we don't have this total free will of like, well, I can do anything, right? We can, I can do only anything given the things that I know. In other words, a robot can only do what you program it to do. And right. so we, we can only make decisions based off of the information that's been input in us by our conditioning and by the genes we got from our parents and like all the stuff that goes into growing up. Um, I th- and I think that's the point of the thought exercise that he's, that I've seen him play where he'll ask someone, or I'll just ask you to see if this works. Okay. I'll, I'll ask you to think of a celebrity man or woman. You got one. Um, give me a sec. Yeah, I got one. All right, now think of another one. You got it? Okay. Yeah. Are either of those people Sylvester Stallone? No. Okay, but so the fact that you didn't think of Sylvester Stallone at all, but you know that he's a possibility, right? Mm-hmm. There's something to that where in your brain, there is probably going to be f- 10 to 5 celebrities that you go to just just based off of your conditioning like you these are your favorites or you've seen these people the most or you like you never grew up with Sylvester Stallone but when I ask you that when I ask you that question you don't think about the fact well I could say Sylvester Stallone you only think about these few people that you've been conditioned to think of right I I think that kind of I'm, I'm doing it very poorly I'm explaining this so bad uh, I feel but I think that kind of goes into the same thing where you're just programmed with stuff without knowing the possibility of other stuff. Right. And so if that plays in the free will at all, it's, it's fun to kind of think about that in a way. I don't think it ever amounts to anything. It wasn't anything where I was like, Oh my God, everything I've been thinking about my entire life is blown up. And, and now I understand things differently. Like it, it does. Right. It has that feeling a little bit for me, but not in a grand sense where I'm like, fuck my earth, my world is shattered. Um, it's just interesting stuff to think about. Did I did I do a good job kind of relaying that thought experiment out at all? I'm not sure, and I, I'll be honest, I don't remember that from the uh, conversation I listened to. So I don't know if that was if I was zoned out at that point or something. Yeah, um, I, th- I think that was part of another one that he was trying to explain his stance on free will on. Okay, but no, I, I get what you're getting for for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, that's the thing is I like I do believe that I believe that we are programmed but it's not you know i it's it's everything it's what's what the weather was like when you were two days old and you rolled your head and looked out the window it's it is every single thing Mm. that happens and that's like it's not even something that you can experiment on to any real degree because you know a slight temperature variation between two rat cages like every and that's I, i mean like every possible thing that happens to an individual is part of their uh, programming. Yeah. And so it's not like, I feel like too many people with this conversation, they think that it, you know, you're only talking about big stuff, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's everything. And there's no way to know to predict what's going to happen. There's no way to know what's going to happen. So ultimately, 
you know, who cares if we're only doing this because that's where we've been led. When I make a decision, even if the reason I'm making the decision is because everything that's ever happened to me in my entire life has programmed my brain to make this particular decision, um, I'm still making it as far as I'm concerned. I'm deciding to do what I decide to do. Yeah. And so I, I think I think there's a concept, something they did talk about in that uh, conversation was uh, a sense of responsibility and mm-hmm. a lack of a sense of responsibility when you start discussing the concept of free will and you not then they're not being free will. And I think that's bullshit because like I I just I think that even if the reason it's all happening is because of course it's all happening, you still, as far as your brain knows, you made a decision and you should be responsible for it or held responsible. Yeah. Um, I I think that, you know, someone that Sam tries to argue that your brain that that it's kind of a a trickery that your brain can be led to do things and think things that you are not in control of and that free will the way we think of it can be robbed from you so in the sense that like charles whitman he had the brain tumor that was pushing on i think they said the amygdala i'm not sure I, i you shouldn't take my word on that um that it was pushing on that so in a sense, the the final kind of bullet point that I want to talk about with this type of stuff is is the notion that you're the thinker of your thoughts. Like when you have thoughts, they come. Where do they come from? Like I don't conjure them up. Most of the time, I don't think of them as things that I've conjured up. Sometimes a thought will come to me out of nowhere, um, and you're constantly thinking. Like your your mind is constantly going. Like it's almost impossible to silence that. You can rein it in and guide it in certain ways for sure. Um, But I've definitely had thoughts that I know that, like, I didn't author this. Like, I would never have thought this. Um, And and especially when I have, like, incredibly depressing, sad thoughts. Like, no one sets out to have sad thoughts. I wouldn't, and I wouldn't. And and especially in thoughts where I've thought about, you know, um, it's kind of uncomfortable to talk about, but when I had done mushrooms and especially when I had done mushrooms because your brain activity is, is high is going at such a rate on mushrooms. It it hyperactivates your brain. So when you, when I'm having thoughts, it honestly feels like I'm having a conversation with another person, not myself. Like I don't feel like I am a thinker of my thoughts. So in sort of that area, there was a part where like my thoughts were telling me to go, and kill myself and like i would never think to do that like no one would choose to think that and that can become overpowering to to the point where i didn't author that thought you know what i mean like i and i don't feel like i did so how does that kind of stuff factor in that's that's a huge ramble well to me i mean the the idea there is that um the 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 concept of like authoring your thoughts that's not me that's not who i am like yeah, that's that's more with the idea that like you have a soul and you are a particular essence and being. Yeah. Um, but the fact is, you're just, you know, your brain is just a bunch of electrical signals. You're a robot, and mm-hmm. you fucked with those electrical signals. And so those aren't the kind of thoughts that you would normally have or would ever want to have. But yeah, you put a virus in your brain, and so it made your brain do really weird shit, and that was one of them. You know. Yeah. Um, 
but even in the case of people that just struggle with depression you know they have like no one wants to be depressed and no one wants to have sad thoughts but you still do yeah um but it's it's still like it's just a piece of all that programming like yeah. from as far as i'm concerned like you know from the get-go it all leads to it and that's you know my understanding of like clinical depression is that there's, you know, it's a chemical imbalance and Mm -hmm. you know, who knows why it's happening. It could be because of your programming because it could be because, you know, the people that handmade your robot body didn't do as good of a job. Like there's, there's no telling. And like, instead of, and, and that's, I think, like kind of what I was talking about earlier, it's, it shouldn't be so much about like whose fault is it because we can't know. Like, it's not even that we're not capable of knowing. It's just that like, of course we can never know that. And so we just, I'm me and you're you and we just have to be ourselves. Like, and if, if someone's depressed, like they're depressed and they need to get help with it. And it's, it's not important whether it's because, uh, you know, the wind blew extra hard when their mom, when, you know, their mom was a kid, like, yeah. And a bunch of weird shit like that, that somehow led to this. Like it, it doesn't matter why, um, Mm. I'm, I, in my entire life, I'm a big fan of, uh, that idea. Like you can definitely relate to this working in a kitchen. Everyone's like, whose fault is this? It's like, who gives a shit? Let's fix it and then figure it out. You know, like, yeah. And it's like, people spend too much time trying to figure out what went wrong to try to make it right or to try to move forward. Um, and yeah. now I feel like I'm rambling again. No, no, you're fine. This is what happens when we don't talk about video games. We just both go on weird tangents. Well, I, and <laughs> yeah, um, I've said before and I've said it in the post, like we can speak most, most authoritatively on stuff like that. I'm sure if anyone listening to this, what went to school for philosophy or any of this type of shit, we sound like, <laughs> fucking morons like like kids smoking dope in their fucking basement just be like no nah, man god is this chair have why what if we don't have free will but n- no i mean I, that stuff it was inter- interesting to me um and so yeah i don't i don't know if i listened to that stuff and came out with a different opinion on free will that i had going into it there's more stuff to think about for sure and um you know I like Sam Harris a lot as a personality. I think uh, he's, he's well-spoken and uh, is clearly a smart guy and has a lot of interesting opinions. Some that I agree with some not, but yeah, it was just, um, it was a fun thing to listen to that I kind of stumbled upon just because he mentioned it offhand on one of the other shows I was listening to that he was on and, and to listen to him go in depth with his view with someone who directly opposed it. Um, even though I didn't understand everything that they were talking about because they were being highly, they were using highly technical language that I was too lazy to look up as they were saying it. Um, I couldn't follow all of it, but I was engaged by it. And so if you guys ever want to kind of engage with this on your own and look up either Sam Harris or Dan Dennett and uh, just, you know, explore, learn at your own leisure. But, yeah, I said in the beginning of this, of the show and, and on my post, like, I, I want to do 
a range of topics and that's kind of my goal with these first few episodes is to get us to talk about a, uh, a few things to kind of feel out what feels fun and, and what we can do well and what plays well and i i think we had a pretty good conversation about this um and it was fun for me yeah did you absolutely wanna, did you want to talk about anything else before we um i off? do i do want to but before we even do that i'm gonna i'm gonna put you up to a challenge here keith okay i'm gonna send you uh a 10 second video clip from futurama that i think okay. is relevant to our conversation <laughs> and you're gonna listen to it and then when you put this podcast together i want you to actually splice in the audio um during this dead air okay i'll see if i'm capable of that i think you can do it um but anyway this is uh if anybody's watched futurama they know this scene it's when bender is floating through space for all of eternity and he meets god and god looks like a galaxy and he talks to him and i just really uh love this line uh between the two of them and it's it's relevant to our conversation all right what do we got here so do you know what i'm gonna do before i do it yes what if i do something different then i don't know that cool cool (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah that's pretty good isn't that great yeah yeah i like it anywho um yeah i do want to talk about i just to get back to our safe place i would like Mm -hmm. to talk about yesterday's announcement um surprise announcement from nintendo uh, oh boy, here the, we go. The Nintendo guy. The new uh Nintendo 2DS XL. Okay. I mean, I'd like to start with your hot take on it because I think it's probably different than mine. It's probably similar uh, to mine and then I can I can go into some other areas. Well, I'll tell you this much. Here's what I know about the 2DS XL. I know that it exists. All right, I'm looking at it right now. So what I do like about it aesthetically is that it actually is a flip screen. The yes. 2DS that they originally put out, it, that thing, I can't think of a person who looked at that and went, that's a good looking piece of machinery. That thing looks fucking wonky and just like not great. It's just like the two screens on a flat thing and it's not even even or surface. The, the only people that bought that were... were I can imagine only kids got it, right? And it's for parents who wanted to get their kids something cheap to play with that's not the 3DS because it costs extra money to have that 3D tech in it. Right. Um, And also, like, the 3D wasn't... It's not necessary for most of these games. I only found it fun in Mario, basically, of the games that I played. I only found it to be fun in Mario. Um, So taking the, the 3D effect and still having something a little cheaper to put out for people is smart um i like this immediately because it has the flip screen so you can flip it down and, and it becomes more portable i like this uh black on blue aesthetic with the buttons the buttons are like this light blue have you seen that oh shit yeah. there's one that's white and orange i like that too yeah like they look that. good yeah. yeah these look slick they look slick um is the world clamoring for a 2ds xl i don't know how much is this thing going to be 150 150 it's it's a it's a bargain price for a nintendo thing if you don't want to spend 300 on a switch it annoys me because i feel like nintendo should be leaving the shit behind um that was my first thought on it um because i very much i believe we talked about in our first episode 
Um, I very much want Nintendo to just abandon the 3DS. I want them to go full force into the Switch, say this is this is it. This is our system. Yeah. Um, and so when they announced the Unfortunately, 2DS... Unfortunately, they can't because of that install base. Right. Um, when they announced the 2DS, I was immediately mad. I was like, why the fuck are you doing this? Like, why are you splitting yeah. your user base? Um, but I, I quickly sort of changed my tune. I think basically... What I'm the what I see from Nintendo right now, and I don't think it's a bad idea, is that they're saying if you want to buy a portable gaming device, you're going to buy it from Nintendo. You're either going to spend eighty dollars on a 2DS, you're going to spend one hundred and fifty dollars on the new 2DS XL, which is a killer system. The or, 2DS is eighty dollars. Yeah, the the basic 2DS. That's the thing. Like, you're talking about like who would buy it? Like it's one hundred percent for parents to buy their kids. Yeah. Um, 80 bucks is a great price and it's been $80 since launch. Oh um, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Like it's it's a great purchase. Like you have three kids, you spend $240 and they all get their own like it's that's still a chunk of money obviously, but yeah. You can get them all their own handhelds. They can all play, you know, Pokémon together and stuff like that. Like it's cl- mm-hmm. it's very clearly a kid system. It's not yeah. clamshell because the clamshell breaks like they're durable. Um so yeah. 80 bucks gets you a 2DS, 150 gets you the 2DS XL, which is ex- it's exactly a new 3DS XL just without 3D. Um, yeah. And then $200 gets you the new 3DS XL. Um, meanwhile, every store still sells regular 3DS XLs, which are probably, you know, 150 as well, but they don't have mm-hmm. the Amiibo functionality or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then if you want to go more premium, you get a Switch. Um, and so I I think introducing this is more just it's just Nintendo trying to corner that market 100%. They're trying to say mm-hmm. if you want to buy something that plays games portably, we have every option for you. We can give yeah. you this like crappy little kid brick that still has access to an insane library of games. Like that's the thing too. The 3DS has a huge library of phenomenal games. Um I think to date the 3DS is my favorite uh gaming device I've ever owned. Um, are you including as, consoles in that yes what um i i've i've have gotten so much life out of my 3ds i've played so many games on it um and i've had i've had probably more exciting experiences on other things but i absolutely love the 3ds um it's it's the, it's not home to my favorite games i've ever played yeah. but i think as a device i just think it's spectacular um that's a little bananas though because you uh, you don't engage with everything. Like you, you've you've probably played most Nintendo consoles and maybe Xbox 360, right? Yeah, a little, a little of the Xbox 360. And PC, but let's not let's not group PC in this cuz PC is a whole different beast to me. Yeah. Cuz PC is just like this 100% backwards compatible platform that you could just play game like yeah, any you can, any game yeah. on. I agree, it doesn't count. Um, and, and you could modify and play it. You could play with an Xbox controller or a PlayStation controller. You could even play with a Nintendo Pro controller. Um, I don't think it'd be fair to group it into this one. But I find it, that's weird to me that you would say that the 3DS is your favorite thing, gaming thing that you've interacted with. I, I want you to get a PS4 so bad. It's, it's an overall statement. 
Like, it's not that I think the 3DS is the best piece of hardware that I've ever had. It's not that I've played the best games on it. It's just overall, I have, I think I have, I think I've probably bought more games for my 3DS than for any other console or handheld I've owned. Um, And I think I've played through probably more games. Um, I think my GameCube would probably be the closest as far as, like, amount of time actually put in on games like i've Mm -hmm. I've, you know i got my gamecube when the gamecube came out and so it was a very prime time in my life to put a lot of time into games um yeah and there were a lot of good games on the gamecube um but no i just i just think that the 3ds is it's the first thing it's the first gaming device i ever had where i started getting things digitally and usually it was by force because i would get it for free from club nintendo or something and so Mm. But then I got a bunch of virtual console stuff. Like I'd way rather get virtual console stuff on my 3DS than I wanted to get on my Wii U. Because um, well, well, I yeah, love the, having the Wii U sucks. Um, well, no, but anyway, it does. Um, it doesn't. Uh, Every, but, we, but, but let's be real. Have this conversation. <laughs> I don't want to have this conversation right but, now. But 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 I want to. But it is relevant because navigating your UI on the or the the OS on the 3DS is way less taxing emotionally than navigating the uh, OS on the Wii U. What the f- you just t- touch the thing you want to play. Why is that emotionally taxing? Oh, oh my god. The Wii U takes like forever to fucking load anything, to switch between apps and to get in and out of stuff and it's just like nah, I don't I do not want to play the Wii U. I will absolutely agree it has long load times, but like it, that's not a good thing. Um I like I to be clear I don't I understand why the Wii U failed I don't think that it necessarily uh I don't think it was this amazing system that nobody got yeah. but I also don't I I just I'm just disagreeing with the statement that it sucked it did not suck I had a lot of fun with my Wii U um I played a lot of really fun games on it um it did suck Sam because we'll we'll talk about it another day <laughs> I ha- I I got opinions on that. I got opinions on that. I got opinions on mobile gaming that you and I need to tackle one day. Yeah. But I, I will agree with you. The 3DS is pretty awesome. Like as far as Nintendo handhelds go, um, and, and having the Virtual Console on it, and it wasn't it wasn't on the Virtual Console wasn't on DS or anything before 3DS, right? Am I right in that? Um, it's it launched on the Wii. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you're correct. So having the virtual console on the 3DS as well, like having Super Metroid and Super Mario World and and all these games that I love from Super Nintendo on a on a handheld was cool. But as soon as they get that on the Switch, like I still hold that Switch is a portable handheld device. No, oh, I I the Switch could 100% uh dethrone the 3DS for me. Um yeah. I the Switch is poised I think to be the greatest console I've ever owned. Um, I absolutely love it. But mm-hmm. as of right now, I think the 3DS is my favorite. Um, but just to go back to where like what led to this is yeah. that the 3DS has a huge library. Um, and for Nintendo, what I want to see from Nintendo is I want them to stop announcing games for the 3DS. Um, which I, I agree. Like we talked about this again the other week. Like they're the couple games they've been talking about lately clearly have been in development for a while. And so yeah. they've got to put them out like the yeah. new Pikmin and, uh, that 
uh me rpg actually looks like a lot of fun um mm-hmm. there's like there's some games that they've clearly been working on for a while that me one metopia you know it's been out in japan for like six months or so and they've just yeah. are localizing it so clearly like why not um I want them to stop announcing games for the 3DS. If at E3 they announce a five new games for the 3DS, then I'll be pissed. Um, I want them to stop focusing their development on it, but to stop trying to make money off of this huge library uh, would be foolish. And so I think saying, like, you know, if you're interested in a handheld gaming device, we've got you covered. Buy this $80 2DS, buy this $150 2DS, play a million games, fall in love with Mario, fall in love with Zelda, fall in love with Animal Crossing, fall in love with all these games, and then when you're ready uh, to get an even better handheld system, we're going to have all those games for you on the Switch. Like, Nintendo is their brands. It is They are their IPs. And so someone can spend $80 and have access to some of the best versions of those games that they've put out. Um, I think that's a great idea. You know, like I... I I the, I I understand the decision to release a new 2DS XL. I won't understand it if Nintendo continues to put out new 3DS content. They, and the the unfortunate thing is until the Switch numbers uh until they basically get more Switches out there and the, the Switch hardware hardware sales increase by a significant amount and by the way uh the, their 2 month mark right now they're sitting on 2.75 million units sold, which is pretty awesome. Like they're on a good uh, track right now. My understanding of those numbers is those were actually their final numbers through the end of March. So this wasn't even a month of sales. Oh shit. Then I read that wrong. Um, the, uh, I, I could be mistaken then, too, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that it is, that is like basically their quarter one sales, which they didn't put it on sale until March 3rd. So yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, that, so then they're they're off to a pretty great start. Like oh, I would absolutely. say, you know, if they can get the manufacturing up, and and stop being fuckheaded about it, like they they always do this shit where they 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 have something that people want and they don't make it available, or, or it's frustrating. But if they get if they get those manufacturing going, and there I don't I don't see any reason why they couldn't sell by the end of the year. They could probably get a. a it, it's gonna it's gonna slow down, it, probably midsummer. I think. I would say, not being an expert in any of this type of shit, probably six million units by the end of the year. Which but, is you know good. what? This this will be fun. I am also. I have don't. I don't pay attention to numbers generally that much. Um, yeah. But I'm gonna give out an estimate too, just for fun, and then well, we can revisit. Well, let's put it, it. Let's put it this way for for the basis of what I'm trying to say. The Wii U's unit sold their whole lifetime was something like thirteen million. Right, right. I, I'm I'm saying they're doing almost half of their the Wii U's lifetime sales by the end of the year, and and it's because I think that the Switch has that much traction. I think people there's enough people that think it looks cool, and still to this day with those numbers that just got put out, the two point seven five billion million, um, there's still more people with a copy for Zelda for Switch in their hands than there are Switches and homes. Yeah. So there's still people that really want this thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, and I just for the sake of uh, a competition that we'll f- we'll figure out next year, um, I think it's going to sell eight million. Okay. Yeah. And what, that's probably, what, what's that's the probably cutoff a huge date? Number. 
What's the cutoff um, date? Uh, de- December thirty first. Like it's through the okay. through the, the calendar year. Okay, so um, December whatever the numbers are by December thirty first, we'll, yeah. we'll calibrate. We'll calibrate then. Um, what was the original point we were talking about before we got there with the switch? Just the the, the that I want the oh. 3ds to stop getting content. Yeah. So unfortunately, because of this, their the install base isn't there for the Switch for them to just go all in with it right now. I think you're still going to get a year of hard Nintendo 3ds, at least a year of Nintendo 3ds support from Nintendo. Um, because the install base is something like 60 million units of 3ds, and that's more than. Like PS4 is selling extremely well right now, right? Um, there's still more 3DSs out there than PS4s in the world, right? And 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 PS4 is categorically a success, the most successful console of this generation. Yeah. Um, well, so th- second that's kind of the uh, Wii U. Get the fuck out of here! I'm not doing this shit anymore. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna make arguments, Sam, have the facts to back it up. Look, the Wii U sold 13 million. And what right. I'm pretty sure this, the PS4 sold like 400. Like nobody's bought one. You're the only one that has one that I know. You're making me angry. Um, you're still going to see solid support for it, which is unfortunate because the Switch is uh, categorically more fun to play. Um, my problem with the 3DS and the Vita and handhelds in general is that I, my hands are such they they hurt after playing for too long and yeah and i don't like that like I, I play the switch for however long i want to and and i don't have that problem and it's just my the hand cramping stops me from playing which is probably a good thing but it's america and i want to play as much as i want to and i want to eat steak while i do it and eat donuts and never exercise yeah that's the 11th commandment of uh the bill of rights right as as written by Moses, yeah, holy Moses, yeah. So that's that's just kind of my. I I still think we're gonna get a, a good bit of support just based on that. That the install base for 3ds is higher than Switch. Well, I just, I guess like and we'll never know really, but I hope internally, like I don't want Nintendo to be starting a 3ds project right now. Um, yeah, I want them to be finishing up games that they've been working on for a bit yeah. um and that's fine like i understand and that and to be fair like the games that they've announced look like a ton of fun um i'm really excited for pikmin i'm excited for metopia um there was one other one i can't remember what it was it was like sort of a surprise i don't know but there's mm-hmm. some games that i'll end up getting uh, because i love my 3ds and i'll be happy to play them and i'll probably end up buying they're gonna put out like i'm sure they'll put out some fucking uh, Tom Nook themed 2DS XL, and I'll have to buy it. Like, it's the it's my curse. <laughs> you do, you do buy every iteration. Uh, it seems of any sort of handheld that they put out. I have only owned four 3DSs. Yeah, but you've owned two, so it's not like you're so much better than me. But not the same model. Um, only two of mine were the same model. <laughs> I would never buy the same model of this of a system just for cosmetic reasons. Well, that's because you're not a real fan. 
and I made a, a two generation jump in my 3DS life. So I had an original 3DS that was tiny and uh and then I jumped to jumped over 3DS XL to new 3DS XL because it had that second joystick. Um so I feel like that was a little bit more reasonable than maybe some of the purchases you've made. I had the original. I had mm-hmm. the XL, which was a fantastic upgrade. Yes. Um, and then I did get, I got the Animal Crossing themed XL because mm-hmm. I couldn't not get it. But each time, so the first time I sold my 3DS to GameStop, they had some promotion going on, and yeah. then I got the XL for like 100 bucks. And then I sold my XL to our dear friend Roger because he wanted to play Animal Crossing as well. And so then I got my other one, my like, animal crossing one for a hundred bucks and then i bought the new 3ds xl which to be fair that time i didn't sell my animal crossing one because i didn't want to get rid of it yeah um but it's not like i have a stack of four 3ds's i only have a stack of two yeah but you have bought four you do i i will give you credit you do when you are going to buy a new thing you you do come up with these schemes of like how can i get it for the cheapest amount possible And, and you do come up with some good stuff yeah, so I scam my friend Roger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, Roger. Yeah. Um, all right, I think that is the content we got for the week, unless you got anything else you want to hit on. No, I'm uh, I'm feeling pretty satisfied. Oh, good. I'm glad I asked you how you were feeling then. <laughs> I, th- I thought that's what you were getting at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, follow us on Twitter. I made a page for it. Uh, unfortunately, I had to do something super annoying, which the the Twitter page is at Chatisfaction underscore because I was stubborn and didn't want to put numbers after it because apparently someone else out there has the Twitter handle Chatisfaction and I'm sure they're doing great things with it. Why didn't you, you do like a- Chatisfaction podcast? Because it was too, it didn't allow, there's not that many characters. What I tried to chat- do Chatisfaction PCAST. It, it, it was only room for two more letters. What about Chatisfaction Pod C? There was only room for two more letters after Chatisfaction. What about Chattis F-tion, uh P cast? I don't. I don't think that conveys enough of what the show is. And plus, it'd be super C- annoying. That would have C- been super annoying faction, to convey. Okay. C faction Pod C. You know, next time you make the Twitter handle. All right, tweet I us up to- at C faction Pod C. Make sure to give us up tweets. Vote don't. us down. That doesn't exist. Tweet us at chatisfaction underscore. You can tweet at me at double jump chump. Don't tweet at Sam because he's too cool for Twitter. Uh, find him on Facebook and harass him though about everything. Uh, I also have a Facebook page. Uh, you could find that probably pretty easily. I think it's facebook.com slash chatisfaction. I can't confirm that right now. I could, but it, that would require me to do work. Um, probably some underscore in there but uh, yeah no there isn't um like i said the best way to support the show is hit us up on itunes uh subscribe rate and review tell all your friends about the show if you enjoy it thanks for joining us this week sam send them out uh you guys have a great week it's it's monday is when the show comes out i don't know when you're listening to it but just have a great rest of your few days um and As far as I'm concerned, you don't have much of an option as to how your days go because of the cosmic dominoes. Fuck those dominoes. Just like Domino's Pizza.
I love Domino's Pizza. We can talk about that later. All right. Save it for the podcast. <laughs>